Hello, this is Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theater writer and dramaturg, and I'm welcoming you to the 46th episode, what a lovely number that is, of Theater Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theater from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Milwaukee, we're excited to share insights into our own country while exploring issues surrounding theater in the Midwest and around the country. And that standard intro that Jen Gray usually reads is particularly appropriate for the conversation we're going to have today. We're honored to have as a guest. Uh, Michael Cody, a name uh, for those of you who are Wisconsin is going to be well known. Um, I have certainly spilled plenty of ink uh, regarding Michael over the years as what he is, one of the most exciting uh, and innovative directors uh, to come out of Wisconsin in the last two decades. Um, ever since running the Youngblood Theater Company in Milwaukee after graduating from the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, where Michael was already uh, making theater, uh, that theater company just absolutely shook Milwaukee to the rafters in terms of the kind of work it was doing, cutting edge theater in cutting edge locations, very, very brave and courageous work. Uh, the only thing that was sad about it is that it had to end. Um, for many reasons, partly because all the five founders were, were, were young and had lots of other responsibilities and things going on in their lives. Uh, and also because of this little thing in America called making money, um, which is hard for any theater organization to do. Luckily for us, Michael then went to graduate school at Northwestern, one of the best directing graduate programs in the United States. Um, did outstanding work there, as I can vouch from personal experience, having seen a great deal of it, and is now continuing um, to surprise, as we all knew Michael Wood, with his latest project, which is the main reason we want to gather and talk today. And it's called Hashtag Enough. Um, it has to do with gun violence, and that's as much as I'm going to say after welcoming Michael. Hello. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. I don't know how I'm going to live up to that <laughs> introduction, but I appreciate <laughs> all the kind words. Thank you. Uh, you do all the time, Michael, as people who have watched your work know. Um, so tell us about this. Uh, tell us what hashtag enough, uh, of which you're the founder and producer, what is it? Yeah, so hashtag enough plays to end gun violence is uh, a program in two main parts. The first part of it is that we call on teenagers, middle and high school students, to write short plays, 10-minute plays, confronting the issue of gun violence. That's as open as we leave the prompt. We allow students basically to tackle that prompt in whatever way um, they feel passionate about and whatever they um, are interested in writing about. Those plays are read, um, and then a selection of them are chosen to be a part of what's coming up in a few weeks, which is our nationwide reading, which is we are trying to get locations across the country to participate in this simultaneous staged reading of seven of these hashtag enough plays written by teenagers. Um, to go into a little bit of like how it came about, uh, I remember Parkland happening and being in rehearsal. And I remember in that moment thinking that uh, I hadn't quite seen the issue of gun violence uh, addressed enough on stage. Certainly, it's always been an issue for me that it's gotten under my skin. It's not something that I have experienced personally, but it's something that I um, always uh, have a simmering level of fury over because I don't understand how from the time when I was in middle school and Columbine happened to now, it seems like we've made no progress. So coming out of being in rehearsal, Parkland happening, 
I wanted to create some sort of opportunity that would address the issue. And one of my places of uh, inspiration was this thing we participated in with Youngblood, which was the Laramie Project 10 years later. So Tectonic Theater, who were the uh, artists and authors of the original Laramie Project, went out, did more interviews, did a sequel to the play. And when they released it, they let 150 theater companies across the country produce it on the same evening. And as part of Youngblood with like $6 in our bank account, we were able to participate in this enormous and really important piece of theater. And I thought that's the kind of response we need around an issue like this. We need a, a show of solidarity in our community. It wasn't until later that I saw what came out of Parkland, which was the youth movement and this loud, um, necessary voice that was actually cutting through and getting stuff done. That I figured that this is what the focus needs to be. It needs to not only be this unified effort, but it also needed to be something that put um, this youth voice at center stage, um, making our theaters a place that we can hold space for this conversation, but then also let these young people take the lead on it because they're inheriting the future we give them, right? So, um, so the main thrust of these nationwide readings is that folks do these plays, the seven plays take on uh, gun violence from all these different angles. So we get a, a widespread look of gun violence as not just one issue, but a complex um, issue with, that impacts different communities um, in very different ways. We have um, the students and the audience experience those readings and then um, open themselves up to dialogue afterwards. What did these plays um, make you see that you didn't see before this? How can we talk about this specifically in our community? Because the way gun violence impacts Chicago versus Madison is, 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 could be similar, but it could be completely different as well. So that's been the thrust of the program. And what's been uh, amazing about it is uh, how quickly, for somebody who didn't know a lot of these people that I reached out to in order to get involved, how quickly people jumped on this idea. And I'm talking before and after coronavirus um, pandemic too. How quickly people were um, willing and enthusiastic about saying yes. And I don't think it's because it's just uh, been a good idea. I think it's because people want to be talking about this and are sick of seeing nothing get done about it. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I'm trying to think when I first learned about it, it's at least a, a, a year, year and a half ago, something like that. When was it that you started working on this? Well, it, it, in, in its earliest phase, it was soon after Parkland. Like right after Parkland was when I started brainstorming. And at that point, I was like, you know, let's, let's get well-known playwrights. You know, we'll get like 10 awesome playwrights and we'll get them the right plays. And one of my mentors, um, I think it was Michael Rhodes, said to me, he's like, you know, that's a cool idea, but it's kind of boring. I mean, it's kind of like they have a platform already. You know, why do we need to give known playwrights more of a platform? And that stuck with me. And it wasn't until the summer of um, seeing all the March for Our Lives happen, and then when the El Paso and Dayton mass shootings happened in like the same 24-hour period, I remember just thinking like, okay, I think I'm sitting on 
an idea that could really make an impact. And if I don't do anything about it, um, shame on me, you know, like shame on me for not like just going and doing it. So this is shoot. I think that's, uh, I think that's August, September of last year, August. Yeah. So it's been about, I've been working on it pretty much nonstop for about a year now. Um, and I want to come back to the nuts and bolts and logistics in a minute of how we got to where we are right now. But something you just said triggered a memory for me. And this is a quote you gave me in one of the many interviews I did of you back when I used to be a full-time critic. And you said, I'm haunted right now by the relation between the stories we tell and the way we live. Um, and, and to your point about, well, we we can't just sort of sit here. We have to do something. Has your view of theater changed and what theater is for changed as a result of working on this project or just in general? Has it evolved over the last few years? Yeah, I mean, in specifically to this project, one of the, so I started off from a place of like, I want to do something about gun violence and that's main central to this project ever since. But something that's grown out of this, too, that is, has become equally important for this project and for its future is that why, why doesn't our industry, theater, theater companies, why don't we make space for young people? You know, in a, in a, in a very, like, not sort of like, I have to fulfill an educational component of my <laughs> programming type of way, but like, why, why can't we give, you know, why can't we give a, 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 a teenager who's a, who's a rock star writer, like main stage, um, opportunities, which is, you know, I didn't realize I was doing this at the time, but the project has really been about, well, how do you circumvent what we call the normal pipeline of how someone becomes a, a published and produced playwright? You know, we've, we have these seven amazing teenage playwrights who've gotten this crazy opportunity by writing something they're very passionate about, but they got their work read by these um, award-winning playwrights like Lauren Gunderson and David Henry Wong and Terrell Alvin McCraney, got feedback from them. You know, they're, they've, give, they've given uh, Dramatist Guild memberships. They're getting produced in like 50 um, locations on the country. Um, they're getting published. I mean, why why aren't there more opportunities like that? And, 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 you know, I don't have the um, entirety of the, the theater world, you know, in my, in my view. So I'm, I'm probably missing enormous opportunities that are there, but it made me really think like, wow, like, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, how do we get young people into the theater? You know, how do we get young people to see plays and how do we get that audience? And it's like, well, you know, how else are we engaging them? Do we just want them to consume our, our plays or do we really care what they have to say and what they have to think about? Um, and I think that's been ingrained in a lot of my work, even if I didn't recognize it. I think that was the, the, the core of Youngblood in a way too. was like, hey, you know, we're hungry to work and we're passionate. We need opportunities. Um, we need ways to grow because otherwise we'll never be ready for quote unquote professional theater. Um, so that's, that's been a huge thing. And another thing that has um, started to stick with me is like, you know, theater should be the place for social change. I, I, I've, I've written about this in 
something for hashtag enough, but it's like, you know, this is the generation that is like the, that is known for being um, empathetic and um, championing uh, equity and, um, you know, are really uh, open to other people's stories and other people's backgrounds. And these are all things that the theater, um, we always um, propose that this is what the theater's about. But this like generation is living it. Like they're not, they're not just doing it on stage, they're doing it every day. Um, so, you know, putting that perspective and that voice at the center of it, and who cares if it's like raw and scrappy? I mean, like that's, it, that's something that could be a benefit to, to the theater, I think. This idea of like, let's just put it up and see it and get it alive and existing. We don't need to polish it to death. So all these things I think have come out of this project because I've just, I've been amazed by the quality of work and the, the passion behind these students. And then I'm, you know, I'm following all of them on Instagram now. I'm like the old guy following them on Instagram. <laughs> and I'm seeing like how in the fight they're in, you know, like how, how in it they are and how ready they are to not wait around for permission to make change possible. And I'd love for that spirit to somehow carry over into just mainstream theater and, and how, you know, these young people can be given opportunities to become professionals now and not have to wait for someone to say, okay, you're, it, it, you're it's your time. You're ready. I mean, that's, uh, I've just learned that it's, you know, even if sometimes like I'm like, Oh man, there's there's a lot of work here to be done on this script, or there's you know there's potential here. I mean, that's that should be enough. That should, it just should be enough to um, to to highlight the this the successes of these individuals. So th those are yeah, definitely those are the things that out of this program are are have been interesting byproducts of working on it and just seeing that there's a whole uh, untapped uh, audience of of artists that we should give uh, the stage to. Well, I mean, that's what one of the things, and you know, it was everybody who was seeing the work was, was saying this about Youngblood's work. I mean, it was excellent work. A lot of it in terms of both the plays being chosen and what was being done, you know, given the, the budgets and the production values was scrappy. And, and, and that's part of what made it fantastic. You could feel the energy. Um, and, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, but, you know, David Henry Wong in that American theater piece where he was talking about uh, this program that you've gone on about was like, wow, these plays are really good. Almost as if I don't want to put words in his mouth as though he was surprised as I, you know, I mean, there's great work um, out there. You see it. I mean, you know, I've got the, you can get the scripts. Those of you who are interested, if you go to Michael, what's the website address? <clears throat> Oh, the script. Well, the scripts aren't available yet. So oh, they, oh, they're, okay. just, they're just available for people who are doing the reading. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, they're, they're very, you know, there's a lot in them. That's, that's, that's high energy. I didn't realize I was one of the, one of the privy few, but you said something about they're going to be published. Is that. Yeah. So uh, the play scripts is going to publish them in 2021. Um, and the hope is, is that they will be, you know, available for, you know, high schools, professional theaters in order to do in the future. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's been, that's been one of the focuses from the beginning is that we make sure that these, these students, these teenagers are treated 
like professional playwrights from moment one, you know, they get paid for their work. They're getting um, produced, they're getting published and um, you know, just try to make that experience as um, you know, as, as, as I would want to experience it if I were in their shoes. What's um, how many submissions did you, did you receive um, from which you chose these, these seven plays? Yeah, we, we got close to 200 submissions. I think we had like 184 from 23 States. Um, two, two of them were international as well. Um, and we narrowed that down to like 20. And those 20 went to our sort of illustrious playwriting panel who then picked the, the seven top plays. And we gave ourselves sort of a lot of wiggle room. We were like, okay, um, somewhere between six to eight plays because we knew at the end of the day, we weren't just picking the best plays. We were also picking the, the best plays, but also like how do these seven work together as a unit, as an evening of theater, and how are they in conversation with each other? So, you know, it, some, some decisions at times came down to, okay, we have three plays that are really talking about school shootings. They're, they're all got strong qualities to them, but which one feels like it will fit the best um, among other plays that are about gun violence from a different perspective. And then um, in terms of the evening itself, how long is the, first of all, when is it? And, and, and then how long is the evening expected to go in terms of just the readings themselves? Sure. I mean, the the date is December 14th, which is significant. It is the uh, eight-year remembrance of the Sandy Hook shootings. Um, so there are two ways of being able to experience the, the plays. The first is our nationwide reading, which is there are 50 or so reading sites across the country, local reading sites that are taking on all seven 10-minute plays, and they're presenting them, most of them presenting them digitally. Um, but presenting them and, um, many of those are doing them in the evening, but they're all sort of varying times during the day. Uh, the length of the whole program is probably, I mean, they're all about 10 minute plays. So we're talking between 70 to 80 minutes tops followed by the discussion afterwards, which is really a key component of the evening. The other way to experience it is that we worked out a version, a digital premiere that's going to be on the streaming service Broadway on Demand. So we have uh, six companies, the Alliance Theater, Arizona Theater Company, Berkeley Rep, uh, Goodman Theater, Orlando Rep, and South Coast Repertory, who have taken on one of the plays. And they are producing it with many with their teen ensembles and their teen councils. And then we're putting that together for a digital premiere that's going to run for about a week, December 14th through the 20th, which really allows anybody who doesn't have a local reading that they can um, participate in and, and, and show their local support, gives them an opportunity to experience the plays anywhere in the world. Uh, and that's been a really, you know, that's not something we planned on in the beginning, obviously pre-coronavirus, we were planning on in-person readings, you know, it's on the same evening all across the country, never thinking about digital readings whatsoever, like, like all of us weren't. And um, when it became clear that that just wasn't going to happen, that we weren't going to do in-person readings, one of the members of my advisory council said, hey, I don't know if you'd thought about this, but 
it might be pretty cool and you might have an opportunity here to actually get the nationwide audience that you're seeking, which has uh, led to how we started talking with Broadway and Demand. And then we reached out to a lot of our earliest partners on this project and said, hey, we'd really like it if you would, um, would do one of these plays. Um, what's been really cool about it, because I'm start now I'm like, uh, uh, like all of us who are theater artists who began pre-coronavirus focusing on one area, now focusing on eight different things. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm editing together the uh, Broadway and Demand production. And what's been really exciting is that um, even though there's seven short 10-minute plays, because they've been done by all these companies, by different groups, the styles uh, are very widely between them. So it feels like a really um, eclectic collection of new work. Um, so they're not like all Zoom plays. Um, Orlando Rep, which did two of the plays, actually was able to do a three-camera shoot in their space. Oh, wow. And um, we've got a couple of uh, Zoom productions. And yeah, it's just been, it's been really exciting. It'd be nice to put it together. And you have these seven really, um, you know, uh, nicely packaged uh, plays for the Broadway and Demand production. Um, if if folks wanted to tune in on the anniversary itself and to participate in this um, sort of national event as it's been set up, uh, for those listening in Wisconsin, are there places in Wisconsin that you can can point them to? Yeah, the um, I think the there are actually there's a good turnout from Wisconsin. Not unsurprising, considering that's where I'm from. So uh, there's a couple that I know of they'll probably be the most public. Um, one is third Avenue playhouse is, uh, kind of pulling out the stops on this. So they have, um, a lot of people that, you know, I really admire, like C Michael Wright is directing one of the plays and, you know, people that I've had a chance to work with as a director and actor are participating in Melchia Stampley is directing one of the plays. Um, Information for that would be on their website for sure. Um, I believe there's a sign up on there. Um, they're also doing in the week leading up, they're doing posting an interview with me and posting an interview with the directors and posting an interview with our, our playwrights as well. So they've been really all in on this. Um, some of the other are, you might have to search for their, um, their information a little bit, but we'll be posting all this on our website as well. But South Milwaukee High School, where I went to high school, is doing a, right, a reading. Um, uh, I think Jen Gray's niece is hosting a reading with her friends, which I think is awesome. Uh, and the Wisconsin Council of Churches is hosting a reading. Um, so it, that's been the exciting thing, too, is that it's not just been theater companies, but it's been schools, and it's been young people, and it's been community organizations that have picked up this project and are finding ways to do it. And I think that the digital route has actually made it in some ways a little bit easier for people to do because you don't have to worry about exact time or space or that sort of thing. You can, you can connect with people all across the country, which is what third Avenue playhouse is able to do. They've got directors in five different States and actors and more, and they're all um, joining up for the reading. And that'll be on December 14th. If oh, any of those, ahead. I'm just going to say, if any of those, um, uh, you don't do one of those, um, the Broadway and demand version 
will be a link will be available on our website and that is free to watch you just have to sign up uh, for an account on broadway on demand and then you can watch it from there and you can do that starting the 14th through the 20th uh yeah you know i the, the third avenue playhouse website uh for folks who are listening it's it's incredible the number of activities they're doing around this and 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 fairly and appropriately enough both in terms of the scripts i've seen and also in terms of uh, the commitment of this organization to youth. A lot of the actors are frankly people I didn't know, but for Wisconsinites, uh, in addition to the names Michael mentioned, you're likely to know DeMonte Henning and Jennifer Vorsters and G.K. Johnson are all participating as actors um, in the Wisconsin version of these. So definitely um, for the 14th, if you wanted to check that out live, it would be a really cool thing to, to see. Are you, Michael, yourself, in addition to everything else you're doing, and given that you are a director, are you directing um, any of these plays in any of the locations where they're being done, or are you just sort of trying to keep yourself together through the 14th? I am, uh, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I am not directing any of them. Um, you know, in a, in a, in a different world, uh, this, you know, the 14th would probably focus on uh, my focus would be on everybody doing their own reading, but now that we're doing this Broadway and demand production, my focus is really on um, making sure everyone who has their own reading has everything they need, but then also bringing things together for this Broadway and demand. So that's, I'm not directing it, but I'm certainly have my, you know, sleeves rolled up on that. I, I, actually, I would love to direct these plays at some point. There's a, there's a part of me that's uh, a little mad at myself that I didn't figure out how I was going to direct these plays for the 14th, but uh, that's why, that's why we do a second round of these things to, to, because we see good opportunities all the time and there's just not enough time to do all of them. Oh, so when you say second round, are, are you planning on this continuing past 2020? Yes, 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 yes. It didn't okay. begin that way. It began as a single, um, project for me, but as it went on, I started to see all the ways that it was impacting people like I you know what blows my mind right now is that there are hundreds of people working on this project across the country you know there's a hundred there's hundreds of people that are going to be in rehearsal for this in the next two weeks and are all going to have conversations about this topic that's on top of the almost 200 people who wrote plays and that's on top of finding out about the project and because of the pandemic you know that just don't have the bandwidth or space to just do it right now, but are asking like, but if you do another round, just let us know, you know, I can, I can plan for it in 2021. Um, for, you know, for all those reasons, it, it, it just makes sense to figure out how we can uh, increase our impact and get more plays done and provide greater resources so that, again, not only are we, you know, hopefully moving the needle just a little bit in the right direction for this topic, but that we're moving the needle in a big way for all these students who get to participate in it. You know, that all these students get a chance uh, that if they're, if they have this activist spirit, but they, they don't feel like an activist in the sense of um, I'm going to start an organization. I'm going to speak, you know, I'm going to make a speech or I'm going to lead a march or I'm going to um, protest, which are all valid things that they can be an activist through their art and that they can still develop their voice and that playwriting um, should be seen as a tool for that. And, and, and something that's, you know, we should be um, making space for those young people to do. So yes, the, 
I'm always I'm giving you these long answers, but uh, yes, I mean the the, the plan is I, I'd like to continue, um, definitely starting a second round of this, but thinking of how this could be more of an initiative and less of a a, a single project. Well, which raises a related question, and you mentioned the pandemic. Um, is your view of the kind of theater you want to make or do, or what you think is going to be happening coming out of this pandemic, been changed by by what we've learned th through the two pandemics, really, that we've been living through? I mean, the, 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 the one where we've been called to account long overdue in terms of some of the racial issues that theater is never really addressed appropriately. And also in terms of the pandemic itself, does it change the way in which you think theater is going to be made? And is it going to have more of an activist focus, do you think, um, on the other side of this thing? That's a great question. Um, well, let me, let me try to answer by backing up a little bit. Like when I, when I first started this project and was kind of shopping around the idea that I thought would be into it. I was a little surprised by some of the people who came back to me with feedback of like, well, you can't, you can't do, like if you do plays about, uh, about a, a, a political idea or you do plays about issues, um, you know, it's gonna fall flat on its face. You know, it's, it's gonna be too earnest or it's gonna be too this, or, you know, it's just not good drama. And it's just, I, I don't know. I don't know if we're in a different place from those perspectives, you know, now. I mean, I think we're, I think there's a lot of talk right now about change, which is good. But, you know, <laughs> to use a theater metaphor, like uh, what, what makes a character isn't their dialogue, it's their actions. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's how we define the, what the character does is who they are. So I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I, I don't, I don't know for me personally if this uh, wholesale changes everything I wanted to do in the theater, but it certainly is a surprise for me that this has probably made me the most fulfilled as an artist than I have um, in a while. And that includes, you know, going to grad school, that includes doing really cool projects and, you know, doing things that I've picked and, and working with great artists and doing fun plays. and. This, this has really fulfilled me um, in a lot of ways that uh, I, I didn't know I was lacking until I started working on it. You know, when you, when you find yourself really like burning the candle at both ends sometimes on a project and you don't care, you know, like, you know, you're, you're, you're excited. You're excited about what's going to come next out of it. And, and you're excited by how people are um, feeling really heard and feeling um, that they're a part of something um, important. Uh, that's been really that's been really gratifying and, and and fulfilling in a way that I just haven't felt in a while. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think um, to probably answer your question more directly now that I maybe don't remember your question. I've talked for so long, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think I think a couple of things are going to happen when we come back from the pandemic, um, and I could be wrong, but I think. Uh, it, there's going to be there's going to be a real tension between doing the work that's necessary, and that uh, that that's stemmed to your to your um uh your point about um, racism and inclusivity, 
doing the things that's necessary and then everybody acting out of survival mode. I think that, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of theaters that, um, you know, I think the gatekeeping on theater is going to be really tight for a while um, because, uh, because budgets are tight. Um, uh, you, you can't do the more adventurous plays. I don't know. I mean, like, I just, I just, I, I want to be optimistic and say that we're all going to do the right thing and we're all going to come out of this stronger, but I think it, it will, it will butt up into a lot of theaters that are maybe playing it safe because they have to, or they feel like they have to. Um, I know as a theater artist, you know, one thing that um, uh, I know I can't take for granted anymore is just like the, the amount of privilege I've had, you know, like I've, I've been able to go to a, um, you know, two programs where um, my race has never, I never had to consider it as part of the narrative of who I am as an artist, right? Um, and that has allowed me to kind of maybe skate by and also, um, be a bit, uh, uh, less grateful than maybe I should have been for the opportunities I've been given and a little bit more, um, thinking I maybe deserved a little bit more when I shouldn't have, you know, the stuff like that, I think is important to confront now so that when we can do theater again, um, for me personally as an artist, you know, that we're not guided by really kind of construed and weird perspectives of like who we are as an artist in our work. So I think, I think if anything, like um, what I appreciate about this moment in general, um, if we have to find a silver lining in anything is that I am not grinding in my career slash art simply for the sake of grinding and, 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 and simply like, doing the same thing over and over again. I kind of get the chance to go back and see if the system needs updating <laughs> and see if there's a better way of sort of operating as an artist. And I think if we can all do that and do that organizationally and um, make space for the people, I, th I think the work out of the pandemic is going to be really exciting. Oh, Michael Cody, I could go on and talk to you literally all day and I do have more questions, but you know what, you've just, you've just ended doing what you've been doing for me for 10 years since I saw your spirits to enforce in a tiny place on the south side uh, in Milwaukee. You've, 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 you've offered the idea that we can escape from whatever the limitations are uh, that, that we're stuck with. And I really hope in terms of what you're doing with this project and in terms of the way you were, you're, you're talking right now that we are going to move to a better place. I, I sure will be there with you, I hope, and being inspired by you for, for a long, long time to come. Thank you so much for being with us today. <clears throat> Thank you, Mike. Um, that's going to do it for episode 46. Yes, I said 46. Um, a conversation from Theater Forward about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced today, as always, by Scott Hayden. And you can follow us or share your thoughts uh, on Facebook or Twitter at Theater Forward. As always, theater is spelled with an E-R. Thanks for listening.